0: Everybody, welcome to Behind the Tour, the podcast from American Christian Tours that goes behind the scenes of the most iconic sites, historic characters, and true stories in American history to discover how God has been at work since the very beginning. Our desire and purpose is to provide insight for today and hope for the future as we look at history from a biblical worldview. Well, this is Aaron Cronk and I am so glad that you guys have chosen to spend some time with us today. And uh, today we're going to go way behind the tour, uh, into the realm of some of the uh, the training and education that our staff at American Christian Tours uh, receives in preparation for leading the tours. Well, joining me for this episode is one of those incredible sources of biblical training and knowledge, Jason Jimenez. Now, Jason is the founder and president of Stand Strong Ministries and a faculty member at Summit Ministries, whose mission is to equip and support uh, rising generations to embrace God's truth and champion a biblical worldview. And Jason's also a best-selling author and national speaker uh, specializing in biblical worldview training, family ministry, and church leadership. And in 2018, he launched the I Will Stand Strong movement uh, to reach thousands of young people online with the gospel of Christ. Well, today uh, I'm going to talk with Jason about his new book uh, called Ch- uh, Challenging Conversations, uh, a practical guide to discuss controversial topics uh, in the church, and I saw this on the website, Jason, too, that it says, if you're tired of avoiding tough conversations, if you want to be a light in the dark world, but you're not sure how, Challenging Conversations is the book you've been waiting for. Well, Jason, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Nara. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the work you guys do at AXE.
0: Yeah. Well, Jason, tell, uh, tell me and tell the audience this, that maybe a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I hail from Arizona originally. I was raised in uh, early on as, as a Catholic. And my dad actually in the 80s got radically saved. My mom was kind of a nominal Baptist, you know, and uh, total opposite. I mean, she came from the Midwest. She was tall, white, blonde, blue eyes. My dad's a short Mexican, Catholic, you know what I mean? And uh, they actually uh, got pregnant when she was 17. And so shortly thereafter, they got married so when I came in, you know, you know, after my my two older brothers, uh it was tough. It was it was a tough go uh for my family. And uh but by the grace of God and when I look back at my childhood, uh, God's hand was all over it and um you know, protected my parents through a lot of difficulties. So I'm sure, you know, a lot of your listeners uh can attest to growing up with with a lot of tragedy in their life and then I think a, a huge turning point in my life was at 15. Uh, it was the day after Fourth of July, and my mother was killed in a car accident. And so one day we're celebrating our freedoms in America with my mother with my mother at her mom's house. I'm mean, grandmother's house. Pool party, the whole the whole works. My dad had just bought her a van, and she goes. She worked at a Christian radio station, so she goes to work, and she was doing a half day. And I remember her calling me that morning. And one of my older brothers was staying the night at my grandmother's house with me. And she said, I'm going to get off early and I have free tickets to a baseball game, which was, was a stunner because my my mom did not, she did not uh, watch or go to any type of sports thing at all. It was hard for her just to go see me play basketball. So we were excited. Well, sadly, you know, when she had left the office that day to go pick up my little brother, uh, she was hit by an ambulance so it was at that moment when I lost her that I really gained uh, an appreciation in my faith in Christ. My mom had always told me that God's hand was on you, that she saw that there was like a pastoral gift in my life. I didn't know, of course, what that meant. And it wasn't really until about 17, I think, when I had graduated high school early, God had brought, had, I mean, literally, God had put divinely some pastors into my life for whatever reason, I wasn't looking for them. They weren't necessarily, you know, looking for me, you know, specifically. But there you had it. I had these guys who started pour into me, and that's actually essentially how I started getting into the ministry. And so at that time, I was going to be going to college, and I had a whole different, you know, path that I felt God was calling me to. And that was in finance. And I tell people now, uh, you know, because I'm in my 40s now, so 20 plus years now of ministry. And I tell people. My, my mission in life, Jason's mission, my will for my life was to invest in money, but God's plan for my life was to invest in people. And so it just, it's been a wild ride. So married now for over 20 years, four children, and it's just blessed to see what God is doing throughout the world. I've been privileged to travel this world to, to tell people about Jesus. I love, love, absolutely love working with young people. Uh, primarily been working with millennials since the mid nineties, but now I'm raising Gen Z uh, as you guys know, and all the tours you guys do. So it's just been a blessing to just get to know different generations and just kind of see what ticks, you know, what, what ticks them off, you know, what, what offends them. Right. Um, But what, what they're questioning and where their challenges lie. And so that's what, that's the heart of what we do. We, we started Stand Strong Ministries almost 10 years ago. And through that, you know, we write books and, partner and collaborate with various ministries like focus on the family and faith and freedom coalition and summit ministries and others. So just, it's just been a blessing to be able to partner with even people like you guys and what you guys are doing. So that's, that's a little bit about my life.
0: Awesome, Jason. Well, I would met you uh, in person last year when you were uh, doing some, uh, doing the training for American Christian tours. And uh, it was just a, your your information and your heart for the Lord and your heart for ministry was uh, so evident, and uh, so it's just a it's a real privilege to be able to uh, just talk with you today about your new book. Um, so why don't we uh, yeah let's let's talk a little bit about the, about the new book uh, it now. Just to back up a little bit, you had a book um, that you uh, co-authored with Alex McFarland, and that was uh, I've read that one, "Stand Strong, America," and I have to tell you that this uh, it was a it is an amazing book for me to read. In fact, I'm kind of on my second second uh, way through it. Um, but uh, with your new book, it sounds like there is uh, just uh, again some some wonderful. Um, and challenging, uh, topics and information that you're bringing forth. Um, so Jason, uh, tell you what, uh, I got a question. So why do you believe God, uh, led you to write this book, Challenging Conversations, uh, and, and why is it so relevant, uh, in today's culture?
1: Well, Anna, it's, that is, it's, I mean, it sounds like a simple question, but it's a, it, it is a, it's a, it's a very profound one because really at the heart of it is the why, Why did you do X and such, right? And I think for any writer, we're always trying to answer that question. Why, you know, why is this happening? Why this, you know, but then you get into the, what, what are we going to do about it? So the why first I was, always asking, why do Christians avoid having challenging conversations? Whether it be, you know, I don't, when someone says, I don't agree with that. It's funny because like you guys have been around a lot of church people, um, a lot of different denominations, people of different ethnicities and different backgrounds, different ages. And inevitably, I'd always see even even people that you would think would jump right in and engage people that are pastors or whatever the case may be or a Bible teacher. Uh, and they wouldn't. Typically, and I would not say typically, most often, people avoid conversations yeah. that are controversial. So somebody says, even if someone just generally asks the question, why don't you believe or do you believe people are born gay? Or does God support same-sex marriage? You know, that sort of thing. People tend to just shy away from those kind of things. And so I'd be asking, why Why is that? You know, I mean, obviously we could throw it out because they're afraid, but why are they afraid? What, what, what started to make Christians who are supposed to be standing strong in their faith, who have the power of the Holy Spirit, to be so timid? Right. And so then I started to say, well, what am I going to do about it? You know, as I started to not just ask around, but I started to really pray about it. And hence, that's where the book came from. Essentially was, was providing a resource where people can read the book and also go to challengingconversations.org and watch videos, but to also start helping groups of people take this material and learn how a Christian engages the culture for Christ and so essentially, Aaron, what I did was I say, look, you either have two extremes. You have the avoider or you have the aggressor because there are those people when something comes up that is controversial, people will jump in there, those aggressors, right? And they'll speak you down as to why you're wrong. So that there, no question, there are people like that too. When, and, and I'd see plenty of that as well, but most of the time you see avoiders, but in the mix, you see aggressors, which then speaks to why there are avoiders, because then the aggressors come in and people avoid those aggressors. And so so not, not only is it because they're not speaking up because of the issue at hand, but they don't want to bring things up because of that aggressor and they don't want to get in an argument, right? So it's like, we got to be peacemakers. And so, so it's not a matter of me being afraid to jump in to give my point of view on a issue, let's say like same-sex marriage but I don't want to get in it with this person. So I wanted to provide a resource that was not just answering people's questions, but providing opportunity of how you go about answering that question. And so the answer is not an avoider. Obviously it's not the aggressor, it's the advocator. And so in the book, no matter what controversial topic from mental illness to racism, I teach people how they, as an advocator of God's truth, approach whatever topic with whoever you're discussing with at any given time, the proper biblical way. And I think that is so yeah. important these days. People want to know how do I go about engaging people in the culture that we're living in today with this cancel culture, right? And everyone's looking for a safe space and they're running to the hills, that kind of stuff. And I want to say, no, a true person who loves God and loves people will mediate, right? Right. They will jump in, no matter how awkward and uncomfortable and difficult it is. I will meet you in the middle because I love God and I love you. No matter what your stance is on something, and that's what I'm trying to motivate and encourage people to become: is an advocate who's willing to love people, even though their ideas run contrary to your very own ideas.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Jason, and that's you know I, I just even think about myself in the past, and you know sometimes uh, you know we'd you know at least me personally I'm willing to hop into a conversation, uh, but sometimes I do I do feel like I lack you know the the, the skills. Um, you want to be engaging, and yet you don't want to set out to win an argument. Um, and I think that uh, you had mentioned uh, you know being an advocate of God's truth. Um, and uh, in your book, I think you carried it even further in terms of practical things, which was relate, uh, or build rapport, investigate, and translate. Uh, so, real practical um, uh, practical tools in in your in in your new book. Uh, what, Jason? What role do you think um, asking questions? questions to people has in in a challenging conversation because i know that again for myself i tend to want to be a little bit more aggressive in conversation and i fail to listen and i fail to ask those questions i think uh a portion of the time so what uh, what role do you think that um asking questions and even listening plays in a challenging conversation
1: well i Again, Aaron, like you said, I think what people need to realize, and, and, and this is something I, I filter uh, through all the time when I jump into a conversation with anybody, especially if I know this person, let's say it's not a Christian, okay? Um, so right off the bat, we don't share Christ as Savior. They don't believe that. Now, obviously, my mission, it should be all of our missions, is to let people know about Jesus. And and just recently, I was with a board member and we were having a lunch meeting. And so, you know, he's just busy, you know, asking questions and talking about different things and, you know, giving praise reports and figuring out what we're going to do in this next next initiative. So he was totally all in, including the sushi, of course, that we were eating. But my mission too, though, along the way is this young waitress who clearly looked like a college student. And I, I always try to look for opportunity. Are they wearing a cross? Is there a tattoo? You know, what kind of hoodie are they wearing? Do they like Nike, Adidas? You know I mean? Just, I mean, I just use anything, right? And uh, sure enough, I, I led into something and we started to have a gospel conversation within like three different times when she came back uh, to service us. And it was a, a great opportunity. But what did I do? I asked her questions along the way. That's what I was doing. So what I was doing, like I, I present in the book and I do this for every single topic, is the three tactics. These are effective tactics. And the first one is to relate. It's to build rapport. Well, one way to build rapport is you ask questions, right? I'm not attacking the person. I'm not trying to prove them wrong. I'm trying to get to know them. Well, how do you get to know someone? You ask them questions. You ask them about their life. So again, if I know someone's not a Christian, one of the things I'm going to ask is not like, why aren't you a Christian? It's are you? Do you have any spiritual beliefs in your life? Were you raised in a religious home? Yes or no. I I want to know that because that's it's. I'm what I'm doing is I'm piecing together their story, and the more I understand that about the person, guess what? It's not about the better chance I'll have to win the argument. No, if I'm building rapport, it's because I'm identifying with that person as a human being. Yeah. Right. They're made in the image of God. And I care for that person. That's my mission as a Christian. I want them to know that I care about them. And yes, I care enough to have a a disagreeing conversation. Okay. I love my wife more than anything. And guess what? She and I still disagree about things. Of course, I'm always right. She's wrong. But anyway, that's, well, that's a different podcast. But I mean, so it's like clearly that person has a point of view. I have a point of view but I don't want that view of mine to obstruct an opportunity to build a relationship with a person. Yeah. So questions are a way to diffuse the tension. And so I encourage people to use that first tactic about relating to that person by building rapport.
0: Yeah, that's really good, Jason. You know, I, I keep thinking about, um, you know, an in, in overarching theme of knowing God, you know, we have to know God uh, and we have a mission to make him known and, uh, just the whole idea of, you know, that passion about caring about somebody enough to engage them in conversation, uh, seems foundational.
1: Yeah. And then one last thing I'd say too, Aaron, again, so when, when you're relating to that person by building rapport, you want to make them feel comfortable. And I, and I, and I, I tell people to take that journalistic approach, right. To be a journalist. And that's the second one is to investigate. And that's when you really can start uh, looking for opportunity to expand this conversation beyond just the scope of, She believes that you could be born gay. You believe that no one's born gay kind of thing, but how can you investigate that person's life? But, and and along the way, investigate why they've come to that point of view. And then ultimately is building, you know, making sure that bridge of being a translator now, when you can say, okay, in the end, there are three questions that you got to ask yourself, not just asking questions to that person. And the first one is, where did we agree? You got to be asking yourself that when you're in dialogue with people. Where did we agree along the way? That's important because you want to highlight that before you guys end the conversation. Okay. The second thing is, you know, number two is making sure that you understood where, where did I understand the differences? And finally, where do we go from here? And I think the more we do that, Aaron, I guarantee I'm, I'm, I promise your listeners, when you are intentional about that, you are prayed up, you're trusting God, you apply first Peter chapter two, 14 through 17, where you're respecting and showing hospitality to one another. And you're speaking the truth in love Ephesians four fifteen. you will actually find that there's more things you have in common with that person. Even if their mind is not changed, even though their mind is not made up yet, you just did something significant here. You've made a friend. And the, and the more that person realizes that you are a friend, despite you're still a friend to them, you're still willing to have this conversation, even though they're kind of annoying right? about their point of view, they're pretty dogmatic, but you're, you you weren't phased. You weren't, you weren't interrupting them. You weren't, you know, speaking down at them. You weren't being an aggressor. You can't build a relationship with people as an avoider, right? So I think the more we do that, people will find that you can have more meaningful relationships, even with people who you feel are progressive or dogmatic.
0: Yeah, yeah, really good. I heard uh, a word you mentioned there uh, was intentional. And uh, I think a lot of the times uh, we as Christians uh, aren't intentional. Uh, We kind of let things happen, especially when it comes to maybe avoidance of, uh, you know, potentially uh, challenging conversation that's going to get us out of our comfort zones. Well, in speaking about being out of comfort zones, um, I, I was thinking too, Jason, You know, how do we love others, I guess, I don't know, I guess practically, pragmatically, uh, while still loving the truth? Because there's that tension there, again, in some of these tough conversations where you, you don't want to come off as a jerk, but you don't want to be walked all over either. Um, you know you have the truth, but yet how you convey the truth is really important, so how do, we, how do we maintain that, uh, or how do we walk that line in that tension?
1: Well, again, I, the, the mission, to your point, Aaron, and there is tension. There's no question. There, there's going to be the tension when you know the truth of God. Okay, let me give an example. So recently, somebody brought to my attention that there's a very famous conservative voice who also professes to be a Christian who denies the deity of Jesus. Now, there's a lot there. So one of the things that we have to do in speaking the truth and love is number one is to make sure that my mission is to build rapport with this person. Okay. And, and let me, let me just say this too, because there's, it's like everywhere you turn, there's another controversial thing. So a lot of times people just like, I don't even know what, where I be, where I should begin and, and what I should do, because if I say anything or if I don't say anything, I'm a racist. Right, so if somebody's not speaking up for a certain cause, they're a racist because they're not speaking up. Somebody speaks up about it and says, "Well, this is where I agree with it. This is where I disagree." They're like, oh, see, you're a hater. You know, you're to shut your mouth. You know, and you need we need to indoctrinate you because you're exerting some form of white privilege or something." Right. So, so therefore, people are like they get up in arms over it because people are always judging others and labeling them. So what I say to people is, when you're about to speak the truth, you got to do it in love. Ephesians four fifteen. Knowing that in First Peter chapter three verse fifteen, before it says giving a defense, that's the word apologia, where we get the word apologetics, where you're making a vindication or or defending the claims of Christianity. The Bible says to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Right. Yep. That's what it says. So I always remind people, listen. We as Christians, when you look at the totality of the book of James, and he takes his wisdom from Proverbs and from his half-brother Jesus, from the Sermon on the Mount, and he outlines the whole thing. You see it abbreviated in James chapter 1, verse 19. Here's what's so amazing. Time and time again, throughout the, each chapter, the five chapters of James... He goes back to the royal law. The royal law, in essence, from Leviticus 19, verse 18, is to love your Lord, your God, with all of your heart, mind, soul, and to love your neighbors yourself. And we see that reflected in Jesus' teaching in Matthew 22, 37. So when I love God, when I'm praying, I'm saying, God, help me to love others. Because to really fulfill the law, the Bible says, right, is to owe no one anything but to love one another, Proverbs 13, 8, and following. So my mission, though I disagree with this individual who professes to be a Christian, I say, okay, I strongly oppose his position, denying the Trinity, the Trinity right? Denying Jesus's deity. I believe Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now I could go off and, you, know, you know, refuting him based on the hypostatic union, but let's pause. Let's take a moment here. How did Jesus respond to his critics? Did he call them out? He certainly did. And there are times when you and I, Aaron, need to go toe-to-toe with certain people and we're not going to back down. We don't call people names. Yeah. And one of the things I talk about in the book, Aaron, this is very helpful to people. It certainly was for me when we were reflecting on it, writing it, and talking to a lot of people about this. You can critique someone's point of view without criticizing them. Let me say that again because this is so foundational. I can critique that po- that, uh, a Unitarian I can critique that point of view and I can refute it, okay, biblically, theologically, apologetically, but I got to make sure that my relational tactics are uh, coinciding with that, where I got to make sure I'm not criticizing, saying, oh, like ad hominems, right? They're attacking the person. Well, the guy doesn't know what he's talking about because he's never gone to seminary. What am I applying there? He's an idiot. That's what I'm implying. But then, then if I use that argument, guess what? That's, that's, a, that's a faulty argument because then guess what? There's a lot of people who hold to Trinitarian doctrine who never went to seminary. So that, then the person who's a Unitarian can say the same, you know what I mean? Like that's insulting, okay? And so we don't, we don't want we to make sure that when we're talking to people, we're not insulting them. So that, that is going to be the tension because listen, if somebody comes off strong with you, you cannot roll in the mud with a pig. What that means is if they attack you, you don't attack them back. Because if you're standing on God's truth, God needs no defense. God doesn't need you and I becoming his publicist, right? And, and, and matter of fact, sadly, what's happening. And again, as an apologist, I have to do, I don't apologize for Christianity, but I have to apologize for a lot of Christians because of their demeanor, Yeah. right? And we have to be careful. So there's a balance. And so we got to make sure our mission, if I love God, I got to love people. And as I love people, I love God. And you always have to keep that in the framework of when you engage people, especially those people who can be controversial and difficult.
0: Yeah, really good, Jason. And and I think, you know, praying and going in to those conversations is essential, right? Absolutely. Um, Just making sure that uh, you're not going in thinking, all right, I got everything under control, laid out, how it's going to go. But to really, uh, uh, you know, bathe, uh, you know, your your potential conversations and interactions in prayer uh, and make sure the Holy Spirit is working. That's right. Well, Jason, maybe you could just touch a couple minutes on uh, some of the topics that you cover in your book.
1: Yeah. So one, one. now when we were talking earlier about what made me write the book. So when I was really looking at Aaron, the fact that Christians were avoiding certain topics and you say, well, what were some of those issues or some of those topics? Well, one of them uh, I was noticing was actually mental illness. Because when the question would come up, when somebody say, oh, well, you know, I, I have a mental illness, you know, or something people you, you see, you there's a tendency for people to, to, to be hesitant. What does that mean? Mental illness? Are they normal then? Are they, should, should my kids be around this person? Well, then you go even deeper than that. You would notice that when I'd ask the question or when when it would be presumed, if you will, in a conversation, or even sometimes there's an assumption, an underlining assumption. Well, if this person says that they're a Christian and they're in my Bible study, but they, they have these really dark, bad days, sometimes they go long periods of time, to where they see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or they're on meds or they say, hey, pray, you know, because I'm working, you know, I have these meds right now and we're trying to get the right dosage. And you see people in these prayer meetings, they're like kind of freaking out thinking, well, this person doesn't have faith or this person, have, you know what I mean? That right there started to say, okay, that's a challenging conversation. That's a huge one. And of course, you look around the culture, guess what? A lot of us are depressed. A lot of us have mental illnesses. Some of us have acute mental disorders. Um And so I wanted to address that for sure, because I've seen a lot of my loved ones have a mental health issue and we have millions of people who are suffering and they're lonely. And a lot of them don't want to bring it up because they're judged. They feel marginalized. So then I started to go deeper and say, what are some of these other issues that people feel marginalized about? So substance abuse, divorce and remarriage. What about porn? Right? So you start looking at these addictive behaviors. Having challenging conversations about pornography. What about people who are sleeping together, right? People who say they're followers of Jesus Christ, but you clearly see within scripture about your sanctification, you know, not defiling the marriage bed. And so these are challenging conversations. And yet you see over and over again, different points of view that people have, either it's extreme or it's very nominal. Uh, when it comes to divorce and remarriage, and so I wanted to tackle these type of things and show people how to properly, according to Scripture, address them. And then, of course, we got sexual identity, same-sex marriage issues, racism, politics. So those, in a nutshell, are are the controversial topics that I wanted to address. So, of course, it wasn't easy <laughs> you know, when you're yeah, dealing yeah. with all of those issues.
0: Well, in those are all you know issues uh, and topics that that many people are afraid to talk about um let alone uh you know willingly engage somebody in a conversation um but i keep you know i keep you know d- just hearing some reoccurring words in my head jason as you're talking again just about engage uh, intentional uh you know in um you know, having a, a selflessness, not just so focused on yourself that you're actually able to be bent outwards a little bit and uh, approach people and engage them in conversation. And, you know, this this book is exciting uh, that you've written, Jason, because I think that these, these are, they're, they're practical tools that people can read, they can understand and know that are biblically based. So it's based on the truth. And uh, this really going to help them not just, again, just, you know, go out and be a soldier, but go out and uh, intentionally seek conversations because they love them and they care about them enough to do so. Right.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that's to your point, Aaron, is remind people is that, you know, think about real estate. Uh, you know, if you literally owned a piece of land, you just don't give it away for free yeah. and I, and, or let people just come in there and take it over. You fight for it. And so we have real estate. In in these conversations and a lot of Christians have just kind of thrown it out. Just they've they've let people run all over them and start occupying on their own land. And so God has a lot to say, of course, about one's sexuality. God has a lot to say about one's identity. God has a lot to say when it comes to how you are to live out your life for him that you're not to use as Romans six talks about your bodies as instruments of, of, of unrighteousness, but that you're to be slaves of righteousness. What does that look like? you know, when the Bible says not to give yourselves over to certain lusts and desires, what does that look like? And how can we help people? And if people are trapped in this kind of stuff, You know, a lot of times we jump the gun and, and question their salvation or say they can't be saved when sometimes it's a, it's a lack of sanctification in their life and they need discipleship. They need mentoring. They need to be loved. And sometimes it starts with that simple question, Hey, how are you doing? And that can open up, you know, whole different Avenue with that individual. If we just ask instead of just assume. And so you're right. I hope that more people instead of running for the hills or hiding behind the bush, uh, or assuming that if they said anything, they're going to be labeled you know, homophobic or something. No, don't care about that kind of stuff. Care about God's truth and start regaining some of this uh, real estate, if you will, in these conversations. Because in the public square now, you, we have very few Christians, number one, who are talking about these things. Uh, and number two, we have far fewer Christians who are capable to articulate these things. And that's my job. I want to equip more Christians to be able to engage the culture for Christ on these topics. Yeah.
0: Well, Jason, um, our, our time's kind of coming to a close here, but in one of your—now, you're you're online uh, with Summit Ministries, and you actually have on your, your webpage, uh, you have kind of the intro, some intros into the, some of the chapters in your book. And you had mentioned at the very beginning— that this kind of caught my attention that you said no one totally enjoys having these conversations. And yet, how can we, how can, you know, just really briefly, Jason, how can we, in your opinion, just uh, have, have that joyful attitude, uh, not going, oh, I got to have another conversation with this guy. Um, but, you know, really uh, have that joy in engaging people uh, intentionally in in what we know are going to be tough conversations. Yeah,
1: I would say four things to that. Number one is pray that you would be joyful to have those conversations, realizing, again, one of the reasons why we pray for that, uh, even the Bible says, you know, in Colossians chapter four, that in our prayer life, that we're to be, have three things. One is we're to make sure that we are steadfast in our prayers, right? Number two is that we are to make sure that we are uh, thankful uh, in in our prayers. And number three, we've got to be watchful in our prayers, So when I look at that, when we're praying that we're being watchful saying, okay, God, what are you doing? And I need to be looking and searching for those opportunities. So that's number one. Number two is I encourage people to remember that it started with someone talking to you. At some point, somebody was willing to talk to you about something. I mean, I hear some amazing stories of how somebody just was relentless. I mean, I'm talking like Guys who I respect and hearing their stories like Lee Strobel. You know, he's got his movie that came out because of his wife. His wife gets saved. And he uses his journalistic skills to to refute Christianity to prove his wife is a nut. Think about that. Like she is dead wrong. And he gets saved. And he now, I mean, just brings to tears when I watched his movie. And I even told us to Lee. I mean, he's just been, he's an awesome big brother. And it's like that. Somebody was willing to go to Lee, no matter how honorary and difficult that man was. Man, he's an alcoholic and his, his own kids did not want to be around him when they were little because he just, he, he, had, he had such rage in him. So I remind people, Hey, listen, somebody talk, somebody spent time talking to you about the gospel. So be that person to someone else. So we pray we remember our own testimony of how God used people in our own lives. Number three, I encourage people, guess what? Look throughout scripture when God used people to have conversations with other people. That will inspire you. And number four, also look at real life stories of when that has taken place and transpired. Like I, I've, I love Dale Moody and I love reading actual stories that he journaled about how God used him literally to wake up in the middle of the night because he didn't share the gospel that day and it's pouring rain. And he was searching two o'clock in the morning with an umbrella, looking for a soul to tell about Jesus. You know that, I mean, that just, that just excites me now, you know, not reading that, that can actually hinder, right? So I encourage people pray, Think about your own story, read the Bible and stories about that and look at other modern accounts of how God used other people. Because that, the reason why we give testimonies, Aaron, and I wish more churches would do this because it's life changing. The experiential uh, responses that people are giving to the gospel when somebody, again, went on a mission trip or just walked across the room or whatever, or took a, a colleague to lunch and start having a conversation. Just show that type of passion instead of being so ingrained on our phone that we miss opportunities to dialogue with people. And that's what I'm encouraging people to do. So hopefully yeah. they will take those four tips and start applying them in their life.
0: Yeah. Well, Jason, I could, I could sit here and talk to you all day long. Um, and I, I really hope um, that you'll, you'll come back uh, maybe in another episode too and have another conversation. Uh, but this conversation, Jason, thank you so much for just taking the time and also taking the time to allow God to work in and through you to write this book. Where can uh, where can people find this book?
1: Well, first, Aaron, thank you. Thank you for the time. And I appreciate um, what you guys do. Again, I pray for you guys. Love you guys. and It's been an honor just to get to know you guys better. And and I'm just, I just I pray that our conversation today encourage people listening But they can find out more about the book. They can go directly to the website, challengingconversations.org. And there's free videos. There's free download things for study guide groups that they can be using. We have churches all over the world using them. So I I encourage people to take advantage of that. The book is available where books are sold. So they can check that out. And they can also go to my main website as well, standstrongministries.org. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Jason, all of God's blessings to you uh, in the future days as you stand strong and as you continue uh, to encourage people and uh, to help lead them and help them think about critically uh, the issues at hand, for, again, from a biblical perspective and how God will use those conversations for his glory, ultimately, uh, and uh, for the encouragement of, of our hearts, too. Thanks for listening uh, today. We hope you'll spend more time with us in the future uh, podcasts. And uh, we hope to have Jason back again uh, at some point. But uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.